Hi, it's me, Alex Schmidt, and I have a tip for you if you like audiobooks. There is a better way to buy audiobooks, to hear audiobooks. You can also support your local bookstore and support this podcast if you do it. Because we've partnered with Libro.fm, and Libro.fm is a URL, it's a website, it lets you buy audiobooks directly from your local bookstore. That's, that's the most awesome thing about it. Libro.fm gives you the same great audiobooks in an excellent audiobook app, and Libro.fm partners with more than 1,300 local bookstores in the U.S., Canada, and a few other countries. You pick your store from their list, you set that up, and then every time you buy an audiobook from Libro.fm, money comes back to your local bookstore, back to your local community. So that's why I'm partnered with Libro.fm. That's, that's an amazing mission, and that helps bookstores, and I think it's a good thing. And also, because I partnered with them, I can offer you a deal. If you use code SIFPOD at checkout, you'll get two audiobook credits for the price of one. Two for one audiobooks. Those credits never expire, and those credits go toward any of more than 150,000 audiobooks in the Libro.fm catalog. And then on top of, you know, all those benefits straight to you, that code helps fund this podcast I am making. So, so I'm really grateful to you if you use it. And again, that code is SIFPOD, S-I-F-P-O-D. Use code SIFPOD at checkout at their website, Libro.fm. And then one more thing to say, I say this after any message like that, patrons of SIFPOD, the patrons who back this podcast, do not hear these types of promotional messages. So you can visit SIFPOD.fun to become a backer and get that promo-free experience. You'll also get many, many more benefits, and you'll be someone who makes it possible for this podcast to exist at all. Anyway, that's Libro.fm. That's this podcast itself. And speaking of this podcast, it's Muskox time. Musk oxen, known for being animals. Famous for, arguably not famous. Nobody thinks much about them, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why musk oxen are secretly incredibly fascinating. Hey there, folks. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode, a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm not alone. My guests today are Katie Golden and Elliot Kalin. And Katie Golden is more than a guest. She is someone who helped get this entire podcast off the ground. She guested on the first ever taping, which became episode number two about cattle. She's also the amazing comedy writer behind the at ProBirdRights Twitter account, and she hosts and makes the fantastic animal-focused podcast, Creature Feature, over on iHeartRadio. Elliot Kalin is a new guest. You may know his comedy writing from The Daily Show or Mystery Science Theater 3000, or from multiple children's books. He is a children's author on top of everything else. And everything else includes amazing podcasting. He is one of the co-hosts of The Flop House on Maximum Fun. He co-hosted the miniseries iPodius with John Hodgman on Maximum Fun. He co-hosted the series Presidents Are People 2 with Alexis Coe on Audible. Elliot and Katie are both amazing. I am thrilled they joined up to get packed into this one podcast episode about something they are perfect for talking about. Also, I've gathered all of our zip codes and used internet resources like native-land.ca to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Catawba, Eno, and Shikori peoples. Acknowledge Katie and Elliot each recorded this on the traditional land of the Gabrielino or Tongva and Keech and Chumash peoples. And acknowledge that in all of our locations, native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode. And today's episode is about musk oxen. And musk oxen is a topic that I am so thrilled we're doing an episode about uh, for a lot of reasons. It's only the second animal I've ever chosen to talk about on this podcast. It's an animal that is unique among all other animals on Earth, and we will talk about why. Also, there's a small chance, or maybe a medium chance, I don't know, but there's a chance that you have never heard of musk oxen, in which case... I am thrilled to be introducing you to them. They're one of the coolest animals around. Super, super short version of muskox, if you just want to hear that. 
They are furry, shaggy, large-hooved animals that live in the Arctic. You find them in Alaska, Canada, Greenland, and Russia, as well as some Scandinavian countries. And there's also a direct link in the description of this episode so you can see a picture of them if you'd like to. Either way, you've heard of them or this is the thrilling opportunity to discover them. And let's get you into it. Please sit back or check in with your musk, right? Take a sniff. We all got one. And either way, here's this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with Katie Golden and Elliot Kalin. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. With some episodes of this show, I just kind of randomly book people, you know. But I feel that two of mm. you both have skills that are a particular fit for the topic of the muskox. And I, yes. I always start by asking guests, what's your relationship with this topic or opinion of it? Either of you can can lead off with uh, how you feel about the muskox, the animal. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't have any personal relationship with the muskox. I think... It is one of those things where they they probably are one of the animals that started my sort of rabbit hole on learning about how animals can look similar to each other, but then not really be closely related. Like, hey, they look like big furry cows. And it's like, nope, no, they're not. Fooled you, tricked you. Yeah. And <laughs> I guess. Take that, eyes. <laughs> Take that, deduction. Yeah. Fool. Mother Again. Nature. <laughs> Evolution just snickering, going like, oh, you thought that was a big hairy cow? Well, sorry, sucker, loser. Yeah. It's like in a, in like AP Bio, I remember learning about this early animal taxonomy where they grouped animals by color. And oh, so it was like cool. ants and bears would go together because they're both black. And it was like, well, that's a terrible way to <laughs> classify animals. Like, what are you thinking? Like red ants and black ants. They're two different types of animals. But like black ants and black bears, they're the same. Bees in that sports team, I can't remember. The one that looks like bees. The, the one that looks Pittsburgh like Steelers? bees. Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah, maybe. yeah. The St. Louis Bees. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that sounds bees. right. <laughs> that I Bee have... lacrosse. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, uh, I, I have never really thought much about muskox before, but I have a real interest in megafauna, and specifically, yeah. especially mammalian megafauna. Ever since I read a book called... End of the Megafauna uh, by a guy named McPhee. And it's a book about there used to be giant mammals on every continent of the earth, like giant elephants everywhere. Giant sloths, and, too. And, and giant sloths, yeah. Yep. And like, and they're just not there anymore. What happened to them? And it's really made me, I, I used to be pretty, uh, except for elephants, which are amazing animals. Everyone loves them. I used to be pretty cold on large mammals. And then I read that book and I was like, no, there's something magical about these. And I'm glad we still have some large mammals, even if they're not the biggest ones. So when you, so when I saw that the topic was muskox, I said, okay, yeah, I, I'd call them kind of a medium-sized megafauna. That's pretty good. Yeah. What's all, what are they all about? Yeah, medium-sized megafauna. That's, that's like exactly right. I also, I feel like just the term megafauna is exciting. It sounds like a band yes. oh, that I want to follow. Megafauna. It sounds like a metal band. Megafauna. <laughs> <laughs> It's either it's either yeah like a like a death metal band or it's like an Emerson Lake and Palmer like like kind of <laughs> right. uh, like prog jazz like long wordless songs and at the end they're like that was about a mammoth that's also a robot and you're like oh okay I didn't know I couldn't pick that up from the jazz Ooh, colors, <laughs> but I guess that's what it's about colors fur grass fields megafauna <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're both both excited about animals because i knew katie is from her podcast creature feature which is all about animals and then and then Ooh. also elliot i thought of you for this partly because of presidents which we'll explain later but also because okay, yeah because now uh, i'm curious <laughs> i was curious why you thought of me about this and now i'm even more curious somehow your explanation has made me more more curious about what happened why? what if i had no reason but i'm just stretching it out like a show like lost mm. or something like i'm just trying to stack confusing things <laughs> mystery box to keep you hooked You're like by the end yeah, of the yeah. show i'll tell you why i thought of you as muskox a polar bear on a tropical island how does this relate to elliot i don't know mm, only one way to find out Never find out. Tune in next week. <laughs> Why don't you tell us about like, muskox, Alex? So muskox, yeah. 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 <laughs> Impose I... some form on this on this chaotic <laughs> lump that we're in. We'll form. We'll form. I uh, 
Okay, okay. This brings me back to Elliot. I thought you for presidents, which we'll explain, but also because you're a children's author and and you write excellent children's oh, yeah. books. And like Thank you. my muskox connection, I think started as a kid because it was in animal alphabets a lot. Like, because sometimes oh. it's M and then sometimes it's O because of ox, and then sometimes it's X because like you don't have a ton of options and so you cheat. Yeah, and so they xenomorphs. Oh yeah, xenomorph. <laughs> If you're going to misspell zebra, sometimes you can get away with that. Xylem. So you mentioned children's books, like my new book, Sharko and Hippo, in stores now. Uh, it, by me, illustrated by Andrea Tsurumi. Uh, but, and what else? So must, that's how, is that how you were connected with muskox from childhood? Is because you would see them in those books, you're saying? Yeah, it was that. And then also, I feel like it was also one of the first animals that was a comedy animal mm-hmm. because musks are funny like you know people will like pull a noun that's incredibly specific and then that's the the humor like i feel like musk oxes were mm-hmm. a, an animal that would just pop up like that it was a very referential animal for me for alphabets and jokes yeah i want to i want to explore more why musk is funny <laughs> <laughs> well it you get right off the bat it's a funny sound because it's got a comedy k at the end Ooh, yeah. that's just that's just comedy science comedy. uh <laughs> I mean, I assume they're smelly animals, right? Because they have musk in the name, or maybe it's a good-smelling musk. That's the thing. I've always assumed that musk is something that smells bad, but it must smell right. good to somebody because why else would the animal have that smell if it smelled bad to everybody? Yeah, you know? yeah, it smells good to someone. Every smell yeah. smells right. good to someone. <laughs> <laughs> There's a musk out there for all of us, you know. Yeah, that's it. Well, I, uh, I want to talk about musks, and, and that leads us into our first segment here, because on every episode, our first fascinating thing about the topic is a quick set of fascinating numbers and statistics, and we get those in a segment called, I Believe in Numerals, Where You From, <laughs> You Stats a Thing, You Stats a Thing. <laughs> and uh, that name... <laughs> That name was submitted by Kevin Tanager. Thank you, Kevin. There's a new name for this segment every week. Please make them as silly and wacky as bad as possible. Submit your names to Sifpod on Twitter or to Sifpod at gmail.com. Uh, I'm just so happy that's to a be good here. Name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone's going to be able to top that name for that segment, but they should try. They always yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, now we can uh, get into I feel a lot of the first numbers here are about the size of a musk ox's body. Uh, a musk ox yes. is four to five feet at the shoulder. That's the first number, four to five feet. So the height up to the shoulder is about that. It's not like taller than most people, but it's about the same height. And they also. It's, it's tall enough that you would notice it. Yes. <laughs> Wouldn't miss it. Like, it's like you'd still, uh, you'd still notice like. What's essentially three or four short people in an ox costume, you know, <laughs> just walking around. That's the withers, right? <laughs> yeah. It's the withers of the ox. So another another reason I'm very excited to be talking to Katie is she was on my podcast about making the bison emoji. And uh, we yes. talked about the withers often because mm. bison have withers. It's a big, big ungulate thing. The old withers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, lead into my new podcast, Withers Cast. <laughs> It's like whether right. it's withers, whether it's withers or whether it's not withers. <laughs> Wither are the withers. Wither withers. Wither be right. there withers. A lot of a lot of one star reviews from Bill Withers fans who are like, "This was not what I was looking for." Yeah, he's a great musician. I was looking for a biopic of Bill Withers. I was fairly disappointed. <laughs> They left that as an audio review. That's how they talk. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> it was written in that font. It was written in the font that that voice is. Yeah, yeah. It was written in middle-aged man font. No, exactly. <laughs> well, and the, uh, the other uh, body stuff, they weigh, next number here is 500 to 800 pounds. That's the average weight of a musk ox. The males are larger than the females. And then during the summer mating season, male musk oxen will emit a powerful musk to attract females. So the musk What's comes from the like? men. Uh, it's unclear to me from the sources. I looked pretty hard and I couldn't find a description of it. 
I just hope I just hope they look like Pigpen from Peanuts with all this musk just in a cloud around them all the time. That's my just hope. a cloud, and they dance the same way. Yeah, <laughs> like just their feet shuffling, and they nod their head in both directions. Yeah, to Vince Guaraldi music, probably <laughs> makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And the other thing uh, with their names, so they get Musk in the name from from giving a Musk. And then Katie, as you pointed out, they are not related to cattle, to oxen uh, very closely. They're much more closely related to other animals like wild sheep and mountain goats. So the ox part of the name mm. is kind of fake. It's kind of false. Yeah. 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 Uh, scientists are always trying to trying to trip us up. Just like, oh, you think we called this a mole? But guess what? It's not a mole. We sure got you. <laughs> they're it's just they're such nerds, and they they don't have much fun other than tricking people into believing uh, <laughs> that an animal belongs to a different uh, uh, taxonomy, which is great. Well, they're this. When you read about reptiles and be like, uh, this looks like a snake, but it's actually a legless lizard. That's based on something you wouldn't be able to see unless you x-rayed it, stupid. Like, you have to x-ray this thing to find out if it's a lizard or a snake, because it looks like a snake. But if you thought it was, you're wrong. It's like, I don't know. Like, let me call it a snake. I don't need, like, I don't know what the difference between a snake and a legless that, lizard. That is no snake. That is a Sicilian. <laughs> Every now and then you'll, you'll hear the story where you're like, a new frog was discovered in Central Park. It's a new species of frog, but it looks identical to a different species of frog. That's why they didn't identify it as its own species till now. And you're like, okay, I don't know. Then why don't we just call them the same thing? I don't know. I don't see. I don't see how this benefits anybody. I mean, if we don't categorize everything, what are, where are we going to like, what are, what are natural biologists going to do? Like, just, you know, like, like say like, oh, there's a frog. We're not going to name it, but there it is. Check it out. But I think about that kind of stuff sometimes because, so I have an app on my phone that I use to identify animals and plants that I see around my neighborhood. And every time I do it, yeah, I'm Pokemon like- Yeah, Pokemon Go. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. It's called Pokemon Go and I got to catch them all. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I've got this rare thing. I take pills for it where I see the Pokemon without the phone. And it's only that I, when I catch them with my phone, that's when I can feel safe and go to sleep. But I'll, so the other day I saw a bird and I uh, looked at it in a in the app and it was like oh that's a nuttall's woodpecker and i was like oh i finally know what that is but it's not like the woodpecker knows that's what its name like it's it's it, the right. woodpecker didn't call itself did that. you like, like some... go over to it and just whisper sweetly in its ear like you're a nuttall <laughs> you're a you're a nuttall well it's just some you're guy named nuttall was like this is my woodpecker now deal with it i'm claiming all of these <laughs> but it's like without if we if we don't name everything and categorize it then how then it says almost as if we're not the god-given masters of the earth and are just other animals running around pretending that we're special and that's why we get to have clothes and podcasts and things like that <laughs> alex i did i have to admit i did google and according to wikipedia the scholars encyclopedia uh yeah. uh <laughs> The musk ox musk has a light, sweetish, ethereal odor, and I oh, think wow. comes from their face. So, yeah. Thank you for that. That is, in hindsight, the first thing I should have looked up I going mean, into the show. So, thank you for finding that. <laughs> yeah. little, little professional tip. <laughs> it's very important. There's something called Wikipedia. I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> it's what us smart researchers use. <laughs> So what you're saying is that so a more accurate name for this animal would be the smell face goat. Yes. Which is a great name. Sounds like it yeah. to me. The <laughs> ethereal smell face goat. That's amazing. The ethereal smell face goat is a yeah. It's because not Knox. Yeah. And when I think musk, I think mega goat. Bad smell. Yeah. It's a or mega. <laughs> mega what goat. is an ethereal smell though? That isn't actually very descriptive. Like an ethereal smell. Like are we going by like an angelic smell, like the smell of angels as we conceive them today, or like actual Old Testament angels that were just like a bunch of eyeballs and like rotating spheres. <laughs> Because I imagine mm-hmm. they smell different. Like one probably smells like sweet flowers, and the other one probably smells like eternal torment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? What angel type science? Tell me that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that they figured out. They eventually realized there are two different species of angels. They're both called angels colloquially, but right. they cannot mate, and they actually have different phyla. Right. One in, is actually so. more closely related to uh, naked mole rats. Hmm. 
Yeah. Oh, what if angels looked like that? Whole world. Anyway. <laughs> What if, it, what if it was that there was one like because because evolution is based on just kind of like freak genetic mutation what if one time a chimp was born with wings and one person saw it and that's where the story of angels comes from is just seeing a chimpanzee with wings once and for thousands of years since then we've had to deal with this concept of people with wings who do who have magical powers when it's really just that one chimp and it's not like I bet the wings were not functional and the chimp probably died pretty quickly because he's a you know the same mutation that caused the wings probably made his kidneys not work properly so but it he lives on I guess in, <laughs> right. in, in and religion and did the angel spake and thus spake the angel want banana banana <laughs> give banana thou shalt give banana I mean, it explains a lot. This is my new theory. This is, I feel, feel like this explains a lot about it. It all adds up. Yeah. So musk ox, sweet, angelic, uh, giant, go- furry goat mm-hmm. face smellers. Yeah. Is where we're at, right? This next number here, it's it's sort of an angelic aspect of the musk ox in terms of goodness. Uh, the next number here is seven. Mm. And seven is the number of pounds of yarn that a male musk ox can produce in a year. Seven pounds. That's like he poops it out? Yeah, a lot. Of, and he does not poop it out. So what happens is <laughs> Sorry, like the I kind of, it was the first thought that came into my head and I was like, I uh. gotta say it. So he just poops yarn out? Because <laughs> you just mentioned he, just that he- sort of got a nest. Yeah, he yeah. said he produces it. So either either he has a, a spinning wheel or a loom of some kind or, or just a natural gland, Elliot's, like a silkworm. Elliot's next children's book is just like, what if there's yarn in my poop? <laughs> <laughs> there's only one person who should have yarn in their poop, and that's that one brother of our crumbs in the documentary about him who swallows a thread every year to clean out his system. Oh, God. And just passes it through. <laughs> But uh, so so the the yarn is spun is spun from their wool. Yeah, so they they have like the big shaggy fur on the outside, and then under that they have what's called their under wool. Makes and the sense. name for it is uh, the name for it is kiviut, spelled Q I V I U T, and it's an incredibly strong and warm yarn that also does not shrink. Uh, and it's uh, they like plucked from the animal when it molts its main fur, and then you can get to the wool underneath. And according to the internet, it's very, very expensive. It's about double the price of cashmere. This was uh, I accidentally did some research by reading a New York article. I didn't realize was going to be so much about muskox. That was about <laughs> this guy's trip when he was a young man to Alaska to to go and forage for this kiviet. Uh, and because he wanted to, because it was going to be a gold mine in in muskox fur. Oh wow! And, Basically, the story is him kind of like scrambling around in the tundra, collecting a small bag's worth of ox hair uh, and almost dying a bunch of times. Well, I can't imagine it's very easy to approach a wild musk ox and just get like pull hair off of it. I don't think they'd be down for that. Yeah, (laughs) probably not. Yeah, according to Metal Floss, uh, quote, when the animal molts, the kiviut is plucked from its coat and salvaged from objects it has rubbed against, end quote. Mm. So there's no, like, shearing process because they'd freak out. Like, it, it's a finding it when it drops it kind of thing. I see. I yeah, see. Yeah. You know what they need is one of those cow rubbers, you know, like those motorized cow scratchers. <laughs> it's like oh, yeah, big yeah. bristly the brush, big, brushes. Yeah. yeah, because this is a real thing. Yeah. Because cows love to be scratched, but like you know, there's not always a farmer around to give a, a, a old Bessie a good rub down. So you got to get like this big motorized cow scrubber that it looks like just like a giant sort of car wash mm-hmm. scrubber, and it rotates, and then the cows go up and rub against it, and they look so happy, and it's very cute. But you do that for the muskox, right? You'd like make mint. Yeah, you'd be a, you'd be. Oh yeah, it would it would easily defray the cost of having to go to the Arctic and build one of those. And put it in a place and like live, I guess, with the muskox. But that I'm glad you explained what that's for because my my children have a toy barn and in it there is one of those rolls. And all this time I'm like, I guess that's for cleaning cows. I don't know. Yeah, because it looks like it's from a car wash. I didn't realize cows like being scratched so much. They love it. It's a very realistic toy. I like it. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're it's this yeah. German company that makes very realistic toy animals and oh. locations. <laughs> yeah. Germans. Yeah. The, yeah. I, Say no more. Yeah. So you're teaching kids the difference between a castrated steer and an uncastrated bull. <laughs> exactly. Yes. They're hyper detailed. Hyper detailed toys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we got there's two more numbers here, and one of them is 
52,000 square kilometers. That's the uh, which size is around of around 20,000 square miles. It's the size of one muskox. <laughs> <laughs> They're huge. Megafauna. Right. <laughs> and uh, and so that 52,000 square kilometers or 20,000 square miles is the size of Thelon Wildlife Sanctuary in Nunavut and the Northwest Territory in Canada. And it's an area of land bigger than Vermont and New Hampshire put together and it was established in 1927, chiefly to help save the muskox species from extinction. And they did it. Worked out. That's great. Yeah, I approve. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Arctic's got a lot of land up there. Yeah, yeah. You look at a globe, you don't really realize it. There's a lot of like weird squashing and stretching that happens with globe, but like they're all the like you look at an an actual like spherical representation of Earth, and it's like, oh dang, that's <laughs> a lot of Arctic. <laughs> Well, and uh, there's one more just in, in, uh, incredible number here. More than 600,000 years. Uh, so that's that's a lot of years. How old they live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when people find when people find ancient manuscripts, they take them to the muskox because they still because they know those languages. They used to speak those uh. languages, you know. <laughs> so when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, they go take it to none of it. Got to ask, ask some muskox what they think about There's this. Muskox watching Matlock going, I remember when before there was animals. <laughs> They're always they're always dropping. They're like, I remember when I met this guy, Adam. You might know him. Anyway, so there weren't a lot of people then. Just big name dropping old muskox. Yeah. Uh, so six hundred thousand years is what? It's how long we've had muskox on Earth. They are from very uh-huh. deep in the ice age, according to the University of Alaska at Fairbanks. They lived with saber toothed tigers and woolly mammoths and lots of those other megafauna that are gone now. Well, because apartments were so expensive back then. <laughs> nice. Got them. Nailed them. Boom. Ah, I like boom. how you did specify it's how long we've had muskos on Earth. Just in case. <laughs> yeah, just in case. Yeah, you're you not, know. You're not like, you're not, you're not assuming anything about Mars. You don't need some Plutonian writing in saying, uh, actually, uh, muskox oh. have been around for 700,000 years here on my planet. And you're like, you don't even live on a planet. It's a planetoid. And then they hang up. They're right. so mad. Yeah, we will destroy you. <laughs> also, we will order six hundred thousand of your Earth pizzas. <laughs> One for each year that muskox have been on the Earth. <laughs> now, uh, so what? What makes it? How can the muskox are still around, and all those other great animals are not? What makes them so special? Yeah, it seems like it is at least partly because they're smaller, uh, but also mm-hmm. it's the other surprising number here is uh, as of about 4,000 years ago, there were still woolly mammoths. Like some mm-hmm. uh, Ice Age species were here relatively recently. And according to the right, BBC. Right here in LA, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, really. Yeah. <laughs> I thought of modern LA, but yes, you're right. Uh, right, right in that land, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's still, uh, it's, it's, it, it's crazy when you go over to the tar pits and you're just in the middle of modern LA and there's that statue of mammoths and yeah. one of them is being dragged under by the tar. And it, every time I'm like, yeah, I buy it. I buy that they're just walking around at night when nobody's <laughs> looking and that it's still in modern LA. I also, I had, I had no knowledge stuck. of California as a kid and I would read about the La Brea tar pits and I extremely imagined them being in a rural place. And then when I visited them oh, yeah. in the, like, next to the grove it was very surprising uh the grove is a mall for people who don't know uh, <laughs> it's not a grove of trees which again would make it seem like the tar pits are out in the wild in a forest somewhere yeah yeah <laughs> where else can you go from a pete's coffee to see natural history and the bones of dire wolves but fabulous la <laughs> I took my I took my yeah. older son there and I'm fascinated by natural history and how the the scale of time uh, that life has been on the earth and how little humanity has had of that time and there's this big mural in there that must be 40 or 50 years old you know of that's just a timeline of earth and I was taking him through it and I think I was up to when fish started crawling onto the land when he was like dad can we do something else <laughs> <laughs> He just did not, was not as interested as I was. Yeah. Well, actually, Elliot, one other, so like when it comes to animals that go extinct, especially megafauna that go extinct, it's all based on their evolutionary niche and whether they can maintain that for that amount of time. So the fact I think that musk ox live in the Arctic somewhere that is harder for other animals to live in 
especially humans, and how we prefer a less chilly climate probably meant they were saved from being hunted to extinction or being outcompeted by other animals. So if you if you highly specialize in a certain type of biome that is not preferable to other animals, then you can survive whereas like, you know, I mean, have you seen LA? There's just simply no room for mammoths now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And again, with with rents the way they are, it's just not Right. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if those tar pits are rent control. I might want to go go move in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's kind of like how a long time ago I took a tour of uh, the the Federal Reserve Gold Bank in New York, and it's literally just an underground basement with cages of gold. And they have a big scale that they measure the gold on, and it's so it's this incredibly sensitive scale. And they're like, yeah, yeah, there's this one guy who knows how to fix it when it breaks, and he moved to Florida a while ago. So every now and then we fly him up just to fix it. But when he dies, we don't know what we're going to do. And it's like, he picked, oh, yeah. he picked the niche of like guy who fixes super sensitive gold right. scales and there's no competition for it. So he's been able to hold that job for decades. <laughs> he's like a muskox professionally. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And when he, and when he dies, so dies the entire economy. Yeah, it was really, <laughs> if you ever want to feel like the economy is based on nothing, then go there because they're like, yeah, yeah, each of these cages is a different country's gold holdings. And when they make deals, we just move the gold from one cage to another cage. And then sometimes we have to move it back. <laughs> and this one is full of leprechauns. <laughs> Don't let them bite you. And that's how the economy works. <laughs> Well, we got, uh, we got three big takeaways about the muskox, and uh, let's get into them. Let's talk about them. Also, one, one last um, fact about the mammoths is coming from a scientist that we'll talk about a lot named Joel Berger. He once said, quote, as we had pyramids being built, we still had woolly mammoths on Wrangell Island, end quote. Wrangell Island is a, a remote island north of Russia, which is where uh, mammoths hung out. Mm -hmm. uh, but we'll talk about Joel a lot because here we go into takeaway number one. Scientists dress up in giant bear costumes to study yes. musk, musk oxen herds, uh, and they do it by spooking them until the scientist explodes. So wait, I know there was a lot the, there. Until the scientist explodes? Yeah, which is... Uh, Sorry, Alex, I'll explain what? what that means. But, uh, so, it's like, so it's like one of the, the old Looney Tunes cartoons where a guy is auditioning and he swallows a lot of TNT and then and blows himself up. And they go, that's a great act. And he goes, yeah, but I can only do it once. And then his ghost flies yeah. away. It's like <laughs> yeah, that. that was Daffy Duck, by the way. Daffy it Duck. It was Daffy Duck. That's true. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Not to be well, a pendant, but. <laughs> yeah, and is this related at all to the to the scientists that put on bear costumes at the Overlook Hotel and give uh, favors to ghosts? <laughs> or is that a different wow. experiment? It's kind of like that costume of the dog. So I'm, I'm being fast and loose with the word explodes. We'll save that for last. But because uh, <laughs> there's a very but, specific but, definition that I think that I, that I think Katie yeah. and I are aware of. Yeah. Right, right. There's there's only one definition I really know. But go on. I'm so using explodes is... in the sense of writes down their notes and then submits <laughs> them to an academic paper. <laughs> being peer reviewed is like an explosion. <laughs> So this, uh, I think people should know about this amazing experiment about musk oxen, which is a scientist, uh, ma it's mainly the scientist named Joel Berger, who is doing an experiment where he studies musk oxen herds by dressing up in a giant bear suit to see how they react to the approach of a bear, which is just him <laughs> in a like giant costume out in the tundra. And we, I, I sent you to some pictures, we'll have them linked for people. Uh, it's the best visual in the world. Just this man looking at a herd of musk oxen in a in a full bear suit. What is his thesis that musk ox will react a specific way to to bears? Because are they aware of? Do they ever encounter bears normally in the wild, or no? That's an excellent question. Yeah, and so the because at a certain point you might as well just see how they react to the Philly fanatic. Like if it's something that they're not going to encounter in their everyday now life. Now I'm dressed as a spooky ghost. Ooh, how do you like this, muskox? <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm Jack so Sparrow. That... Well, musk muskox. What you, what you, now I'm Borat. How do you react to this? It's me, Austin Powers, muskox. What, what's your reaction? 
That's not what Austin Powers sounds like. <laughs> I, I had to get the one muskox that's seen Austin Powers. It was one of the odds. Where's his affable British accent? <laughs> right, they know the reference is done by Canadian performers specifically because they're way up yeah. there. They're like, I know, sense. I know Mike Myers' career very He's well. National Thank treasure. you. <laughs> yeah, and so that that was a great question, Elliot, about like why do they want to know how they react to bears? And it's because, mm-hmm. um, and this uh, scientist, Joel Berger, he's a professor and university chair at Colorado State University. He's a senior scientist for the Wildlife Conservation Society. And the goal is to study how musk oxen respond to climate change. He says, quote, the central goal is to get inside the mind of a musk ox. But in this case, we're interested in how they respond to grizzly bears because grizzly bears are expanding their range into some of the Arctic islands, end quote. Oh. Uh, and it's driven by climate change. They're kind of pushing up that right. way because it's getting warmer. And the scientists don't know. They, they're testing whether the musk oxen will try to defend themselves or run away or not even know what a brown bear is because they just don't see it. Some look sounds like sounds like I know an animal that's going to get brown bear, brown bear. What did you see? The classic children's picture book for a birthday <laughs> present from me. <laughs> just so they can learn it, you know. You could. That's inter- I had. That's in- You should send it to Santa at the North Pole and have him forward it slightly downward to where the muskox are. <laughs> yeah, Santa, Santa, and I, Santa, and I are not on great terms. Uh, oh, okay. My the. Uh, it's he. He doesn't. He doesn't appreciate people of my faith. But anyway, the. Uh, oh sure. <laughs> but that's. But otherwise, that's. But I'll buy into the premise. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'll do. <laughs> the. Uh, but that's it. I hadn't thought about that. That like they're. As the as the, it gets warmer, that climate will that that habitat will change to the fact that to the point that other animals will become invasive species that would not be interested before. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. The other like exciting thing about this experiment to me, well, there, there's a few things, but one of them is that they're having Joel Berger wear a bear suit to try to see what the musk oxen do, but also they need a control group, and so the control group is Joel Berger in a caribou suit. Uh, which is, you know, a, not a predator. So the, they obviously won't react to that. But they, they just the control group is more costumes because that makes sense. It's mm. also very funny. It's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Steve, is that you? You've lost weight. You look great. <laughs> Why aren't your eyes moving, Steve? This is like a guy who bought a Halloween costume with university funds thinking no one's going to notice this. I'll just call it experiment supplies. And then they look through and they're like, did you, did you buy a caribou costume and uh, with university money? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's for an experiment. I'm going to go see, uh, uh, I got, it's, a, it's the control group. I got to see how the oxen, the musk oxen, you know, I'll put it's on the just, suit. It's just furries getting government grants is what I'm oh, saying. I mean, I support that. I mean, if actually now you put yeah. it in terms that I can support as a taxpayer. <laughs> finally, finally, finally a, a Trump initiative I can point to and say, yes, okay, there you go. That I'll agree with. I do actually, like, unironically, I bet that furries have some great costuming tricks that they could probably pass on to researchers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, ex- except yeah. I don't know that scientific accuracy is usually what they're going for. It's more of a, more of a like, Isn't mascot it? costume. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Joel Berger, he's dressing up, he's dressing up in costumes and scaring muskox or just bothering them. Yeah, and there's also, there's... Two neat things to me here about how musk oxen react to really any predator, but especially this experiment, because there's a thing I think not everybody knows, which is that musk oxen form a... If it's about musk oxen, then probably, if it's about musk oxen, it is probably a thing not everybody knows. (laughs) I'm going to say you're probably right about that. (laughs) So they, uh, they travel in herds of like 20 to 30 individuals, and when they're in danger, they form a defensive circle. Uh, and we'll have pictures linked. It's a thing where like all the adults face outward in a ring and then the babies are in the middle of it, almost like, you know, pioneer wagons or something. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So they're incredibly social and organized uh, when they're in danger. It's it's a cool thing they do. I mean, one of many reasons, one of many ways it sounds like that they're superior to humans, because when humans are in danger, they immediately go after each other rather <laughs> than after the danger. <laughs> But I, the, the other thing is, apparently in Joel Berger's case, he says, quote, on seven occasions, males have left the group to come toward me. On three of those occasions, those were real charges. 
end quote. And so did from he have there, a plan for that? He did, and it's the best. So there are a few defenses. Wait, wait. First, first, you guys want to hear my bad, my bad wordplay joke off of that? Oh, please. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You said three times it was real charges. The other times the charge was declined. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the the company called the muskox, and the muskox says, "No, that wasn't me. Please don't put that on my bill." And I'm hanging up the Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> Very understandable. Have a good rest of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Just a muskox. I didn't buy anything at the furry store near the university. That wasn't me. (laughs) That wasn't experiment supplies. What would I need that for? I'm a muskox. So they charged at him. And what happened? So he uh, had already ruled out a couple of defensive maneuvers. Uh, A whistle won't work because they're not scared of it. And pepper spray. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think they would be. To be yeah. honest, <laughs> wouldn't even occur to me to try that. Yeah, <laughs> I tried confetti. I try. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I tried dance. None of that didn't scare them. It's like an eight hundred pound animal is coming at me. Maybe I'll whistle at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll whistle at it. It will feel embarrassed and ashamed, even though I should be the one who's ashamed because I'm treating it that way. And then it'll leave, and I'll be, and I'll be saved. <laughs> The next thing, he he carries this, but uh, he has pepper spray, but he believes it is too cold and too windy in the Arctic environment for that to work. Uh, and then he also told to him- To not just blow back in his face, he goes, oh my God, oh, muskox, oh! I feel like that's the, the movie where Will Ferrell plays Joel Berger, that is exactly the scene yeah. that's going to happen. Where there's a muskox running at him and he goes, oh, but I've got my pepper spray, oh, God, God, oh, and he's running around, can't see, be chased by a muskox. Yeah. And then they just skunk him like Pepe Le Pew. Like, there's no actual danger, but it's like comedy danger, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> comedy danger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so uh, they also don't want to shoot the musk oxen. And so what they, the defense he has come well, up no. with. Right, won't do that. <laughs> uh, that would be a real, that would be such, a, again, like a very human move, but such a mean move to be like, I'm going to test how they react to danger. He's charging at me. Kill him. <laughs> Rawr, I'm a bear. Uh-oh. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> That's like a, it's like a Teddy Roosevelt experiment. Like, well, it makes sense to me. Wait, can uh, yeah. I guess? <laughs> Very much can so. I guess what, uh, can I guess the, uh, the actual escape maneuver? Uh, if you want to, yeah. Rocket-powered skis. No. Rocket-powered skis. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From Acme? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Because his, yeah. Yeah. His, his experiment was outfitted by, by Mr. Wilson Edward Coyote. <laughs> smoke bomb and he goes and i disappear (laughs) so let me there's a there's an amazing quote from him about what does work it's quote the one thing that works is if i self-detonate and the cape of the costume goes in one direction the head goes in the other and i stand up the muskox if they're charging get very confused and then i'm safe end quote (laughs) so he just explodes the costume off of his body and is nope, no, I'm a human. That, and they're like, oh, okay. You that got it. Does, yeah, that must be very alarming, right? Like, yeah. if you were talking to a person, like yeah. you're talking to me right now, you see me, I look somewhat person y, and then my head and my arms just like fly off, and then just this squid comes out of me and goes, like, it was an experiment. <laughs> I have to assume that he, he discovered that, that method by accident. And that muskox was chasing at him, and he just started throwing. He just started ripping the costume off of himself to, yeah, to get yeah. away from it. And <laughs> I was kidding. I was kidding. I was kidding. I was kidding. But it's funny. It's like he's like, "There's only one way to get out of this. I better confuse him." <laughs> so it's not. It's not like putting on a, a like getting on another costume, which is like a lady muskox costume with exaggerated eyelashes and big yeah, nose. No. And and uh, you must have been a beautiful baby. Plays in the background as he parades back and forth. <laughs> I'm glad we all grew up on cartoons. This is very good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the same cartoons. We have a real this this kind of shared cultural background is a thing of the past. So I'm glad we can enjoy it now because uh, the, the future generations will will have been so balkanized. Yeah, yeah. In their, it's all in their Peppa Pig and and Baby Shark, Boss <laughs> Baby. <laughs> it's These wretched the cultural baby, touchstones. Yeah. The it's Boss so, Baby generation. <laughs> It's so funny to me. I, like I see, I see the new stuff that comes out. And I'm like, ugh, what dreck! And then I'll find myself singing the Denver the Last Dinosaur theme song, <laughs> or like something from some terrible like slapdash 
Saturday morning cartoon, and I'm like, that's real kid culture. <laughs> Cow- Lost Cowboys of Moo Mesa. Like, that, that's what... <laughs> These kids don't have anything good like Transformers or He-Man. Right, right. Remember Thundercats? <laughs> they were cat people. All right. Off of that, we're going to a short break, followed by the big takeaways. See you in a sec. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! It's hard to explain what happens on Jordan Jesse Go. So, I had my kids do it. Saying swear words. Saying swear words. Yeah, um, bad jokes. Bad jokes? Bad jokes. Maybe it's like you tell people that you're going to interview them, and then you just stay there, like, like really quiet and try and creep them out. <laughs> it's just really boring. Because of Jordan, right? Not me? Because of both of you. Oh. Subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show for grown-ups. Well, yeah, there's there's two more takeaways here, and they're pretty quick, but I think we should get into them. They're very fun. Okay. Uh, here we go into takeaway number two. Musk Oxen played a key role in Cold War diplomacy. Uh, and the them They're very diplomatic. <laughs> They're very nice, yeah. Now hang on, you guys. Nuclear apocalypse <laughs> is not on the table, now mm-hmm. is it? Right. A lot of people don't know that John Foster Dulles was a musk ox. <laughs> the only still the only musk ox to serve in a presidential cabinet. But, right, right. Know. Atchison was part musk ox, doesn't count. Uh, yeah, so. doesn't count. Yeah, he was because he was he was part musk ox, but he didn't identify as musk ox. <laughs> I'm sorry. I want you to continue, but I also can't stop thinking of a musk ox shaking hands with Gorbachev and being like, "Now I think we can come to a reasonable conclusion, gentlemen." <laughs> There's a musk ox. He's in. He's in. He's in uh, Berlin, and he's saying. Tear down this wall, and then the wall explodes, and it's just Joel Berger in a costume underneath. And the ox is so confused. Yeah, yeah. So explain how must box Cold War. How's that possible? They it's, live where it's cold. I get that. Yeah, and it's it's really one main story, which is that President Richard Nixon, when he received pandas from China, in exchange we gave China a pair of musk oxen. I think the panda story is very, very famous, and the reciprocal musk oxen, nobody knows about it. Because people love pandas. Yeah. <laughs> I do because... think China got the better animal, though, if you know anything about pandas. Oh. Uh, that, that, pa- Real yeah. layabouts, those pandas. Yeah, yeah. I love that, uh, that pandas, people, it shows you how cuteness can get, it's it's much much like in, in the real world. Uh, that if you're attractive, you, people will look overlook other faults. That pandas are so cute, and so the fact that they're super lazy and they refuse to eat anything but <laughs> one type of food, <laughs> yeah, like like they're just eternal toddlers who will only have one thing to eat. That's they're really not they're not great animals. You know, I'm yeah. just gonna go out. I, yeah. I mean, you can quote me on that. I'm gonna go out on a limb, run against me for office, and point out that I that I said on the record that pandas are not great animals. <laughs> <laughs> I think the you know I think the reckoning is happening though I think people are catching on mm-hmm. that they you know oh panda backlash the luster is wearing off yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's all about narwhals now people love them <laughs> can't get enough of them yeah so, people are are all like did you know it's a tooth and it's like yeah I know it's a tooth stop it <laughs> it's like what else would it be dude <laughs> it's not a toe that'd be crazy <laughs> well how did the Chinese respond to this gift did they were they like oh because uh, I okay well I got you pandas but sure I'll take these like we got that- you magical bears uh, thank you for this big hairy cow <laughs> there was that time when when Obama was president and he got Queen Elizabeth an iPod 
with some of his speeches on it as a gift, and everyone was like, "That's a terrible gift." <laughs> like, what are you That's doing? Real? Oh no! <laughs> yeah, Ew, it was, I see. Thank you. <laughs> it was right after he it was like he was just he was a new president. He didn't know what he was doing yet. Kern <laughs> Chester put this with the other pods of the eye. <laughs> But uh, so anyway, what's the third takeaway? No, the uh, the Nixon story here real quick is uh, Richard Nixon. I think people know there's the concept of like Nixon opened China in history and diplomacy. So Nixon goes to China in February 1972. They have uh, the first like diplomatic relations with China since 1949. And the results are normalized relations and peaceful handling of the Taiwan issue. And the communist Chinese government announces we're sending two pandas to the United States. And then I don't think they asked for anything back. But according to the New York Times, quote, Nixon reciprocated the gift up to a point by sending two muskoxen to China, end quote, which is a very insulting New York Times statement, I feel. But that's what they said about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the liberal elites looking down on muskoxen again, like they always are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's why that's why China is now lousy with muskox. <laughs> Just muskox scampering around, getting in their garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they they call them they call them smelly raccoons over there because they're just they're everywhere and they're just yeah. So it, you got to keep a lid tight on your trash cans, <laughs> so or muskox is going to get in. <laughs> so actually, the story turns tragic, but I feel the muskox and our heroes in this case because. People don't know there's this very famous story of two pandas come from China and live at the zoo in Washington, D.C., and they're beloved by all of America, and what a great thing. Meanwhile, America uh, gets two musk oxen named Milton and Matilda, and the director of the D.C. Zoo flies to China with the musk oxen before coming back with pandas. So how and what and what how do you buy how do you buy airline tickets for two muskoxen? Oh. Do you need you need to get multiple seats, I assume. Just extra leg room does it. <laughs> oh really? Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Approximately double, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the muskoxen is like, I like that I can stretch out, but I can't lean back. That's the problem with these seats. And everyone else is like, Did someone take off their shoes or something? And it's like, it's my musk. Hey. I have a musk. <laughs> It's pretty well known about me. Stop. Everyone, just stop bugging me about my musk and then holds up a glass. Another one of these, please? Thank you. Yeah. Because it's a long flight. The only way that the muskox can get through it is if if they enjoy themselves, you know. Of course. So muskox, they're in China now So Matilda and what was the other one? Milton Milton. and Matilda. And uh, the New York Times in 1972, they interviewed Theodore Reed, the director of the National Zoo in D.C., about, like, hey, how did it go bringing the musk oxen when we got these pandas? And he, quote, confirmed that Milton was suffering from post-nasal drip, possible depression, a cough, and falling hair in the Beijing Zoo. Matilda is also reported to be feeling poorly, end quote. And according to the sources, both of the muskoxen died within a few years of going to China, which I feel makes them heroic because they like sealed this diplomatic deal (laughs) that prevented some kind of war with China or something. So they came through, even (laughs) though, you know, that had no idea what the hell was going on. Get shoved on a plane (laughs) and they're so confused and then get put in a zoo Yeah, and then get like the muskox cold. And then die in a few years, and Alex is like, heroes. <laughs> heroes. Give, the, give them the Presidential Hero Medal of Freedom. Hero oxes. They sacrifice themselves. Let that be a lesson themselves. to you, kids. Yeah, if you yeah. work hard, you too. <laughs> you lose all your hair in a zoo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, but, yeah, really without hard. it, probably, we would have had a nuclear war. So those, those must right. be like, there's some alternate universe where we don't send the musk oxen, and the world is a, is a right. blasted landscape un- uninhabitable you know yeah yeah what you're saying is now we should start sending more muskox around the world exactly and make I-, I think that would be like a good first move for biden just start sending muskox to various foreign leaders being i'm sorry here's a muskox i'm sorry here's a muskox i'm so so sorry here's two muskox for you iran i'm Red. sorry here's a muskox <laughs> They get to yeah, yeah. He he's on the phone with with uh, the the prime minister of uh, of the Iraqi parliament. He's like, hey, I know this won't make up to you, but won't we'll make up for everything. But uh, look out your window. There's just two us two muskox in there. What do you see out there? Uh, muskox. You, those are yours. Those are yours to keep. 
<laughs> yeah, just revitalizing our image throughout the world, one Moscox at a time. <laughs> That's all, the one the one real other thing with the Cold War is that musk oxen had been hunted completely out of Russia and then the in 1975 the US shipped some musk oxen to the USSR in exchange for Siberian polecats and those did great they like solve, they took off and now they they're solve back. Yeah. every problem mm-hmm. as yeah, long as everywhere. you keep them cold enough yeah, yeah. Just like keep, but keep them cold enough. Like you have a label on them that's like, please keep refrigerated after opening. <laughs> but you keep sending muskox to all these countries that we have tension with, and I think we will have a new era of peace and disarmament. <laughs> so how are the? So are there are there more muskox in Russia now? Have they been able to build up a herd or? And they have, yeah. And they're especially on an island called Wrangell Island, the one that used to have woolly mammoths on it. Oh, right, right. Uh, and so they're doing very well there. So wait, so they they were like, this island used to have mammoths on it, but I guess muskoxes are okay. Like, we'll have those. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. <laughs> well, we have, uh, we have one last takeaway here, and I, I think we can get into it. Takeaway number three... Musk oxen were the favorite animal of Alex Trebek. I think that's just fun to know. And RIP Alex Trebek, of course. Uh, But there is, uh, I think it's like very heartwarming to know about it. And we'll have linked many pictures for people of Alex Trebek hanging out with musk oxen. Because that's just uh, exciting. It's it's very good to know. I'm going to cry. That's very sweet. Yeah. It's wonderful. I mean, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, now I feel kind of foolish that I didn't. I didn't know that. That I didn't guess that that was his favorite animal. You know, Alex Trebek and muskox just go together like peanut butter and jelly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anything, peanut butter and jelly are kind of weird things. Who who right. did that? Who thought that was a great idea the first time? Am I right? <laughs> Takes microphone off of mic stand, walks in front of brick wall. Peanuts, peanuts, and like jelly or jam. Like who's mixing these things? <laughs> Out of their mind. But I never knew that. Did he? Did he was he on the record as saying that he really likes musk he really liked musk oxen a lot? Yeah. Or was yeah. this something like caught by paparazzi who like snatched a photo of him sneaking around with a particularly attractive musk ox? What what game show host was seen canoodling in Nunavut with a, with a certain <laughs> smelly ungulate? Like, and it's just like these like black silhouettes with question marks on them and one clearly in the shape of a musk ox. <laughs> My family needs its space in this time. I'm just going to reconnect with them. We're just friends. We're just good friends. So he, uh, apparently, Alex Trebek has just always been a huge fan of them. And then from there, connected with an actual musk ox farm in Alaska. Uh, This is according to Jeopardy's website and blog. They said, quote, when asked why the musk ox is his favorite, Alex Trebek responded, Musk oxen are family-oriented, and I like that. When in danger, they form a protective circle with the males facing outward and the cows and calves in the center. There are very few predators brave enough to attack this formation. He just likes the uh, the That's community. Aww. Yeah. yeah, That's he's, so sweet. Every time I learn something new about him, I'm like, oh, he was a really good guy. Like that, yeah, like he was, when he was he cool. Yeah. Past, I didn't. I hadn't known that he donated like 74 acres of land to Los Angeles to ju- to not be built on and to just be like a, oh. like a, a small kind of like preserve and walking area. I mean, it's a lot of acres. That's be pretty nice for a house. You know, he could have built like a big complex there, but instead, but, uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, and it's called like the Alex Trebek preserve. And I'm like, oh, that's really wonderful. You know? Yeah. I like it when, I like it when someone doesn't turn out to be a monster when you find out things about their life after the fact. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. been the thing with him. Yeah. It's really good. Mm-hmm. He also... There are no more musk oxes in his closet. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us have skeletons. No, 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 I need musk oxen. That's my secret. That's what I keep. <laughs> That's why he has there's just like automated Febreze sprayers on, out at the closet door so that nobody can tell that there's a musk ox in there. Because you'd think you'd notice that way. <laughs> right, right. Musk is in the name. They got to get that ethereal smell out of there. Or people think he has angels in his closet. <laughs> Well, and then uh, in terms of him connecting with real musk oxen, because Alex Trebek is from Canada, he's from northern Ontario, but I don't think they were, they live very far north in Canada, I don't think he saw him. But in the late 1980s, uh, John McKee, the director of the musk ox farm in Palmer, Alaska, just found out Alex Trebek liked them, 
reached out, they connected, and then Alex Trebek, I, I guess kind of throughout his time hosting Jeopardy, made several visits to this farm in Palmer, Alaska. He also became the person who uh, hand-signed every adoption certificate for the farm. So for over 30 years, anytime you adopted a musk ox at this farm, you got a certificate, probably to your surprise, signed by Alex Trebek from Jeopardy, thanking you for uh, supporting this farm. Really cool. (laughs) Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Now I want to see a movie about Alex Trebek going on a mission to China to save those two. Those two oh. <laughs> like it's like Argo, but for Muskox, and it's he's Ben Affleck in it. <laughs> We're taping a week of Jeopardy in Beijing. Actually, it's a cover for getting these Muskox out of there. <laughs> We've got to get them to the American embassy so we can fly them out over cover of night. Wear the sun hat so they can't see your face. <laughs> <laughs> he's handing them... A Canadian passports. He's like, yeah. your names are no longer Milton and Matilda. <laughs> what if to make the plan work? Part of it is the oxen have to win the game. Like they have to, they have to be the champion at the end of the run oh, of shows, yeah. and then they can leave. You know, like, well, we have to keep filming with them in LA. Because so the prize, here we go. <laughs> the prize is, is a flight, is a, is a trip to the United States. He had to play in in LA in the studio in the tournament of champions. <laughs> And, and and they can't. But Alex Trebek is such a man of his word that he can't coach. He can't give them the answers, and he can't even coach them. Right. He just, they just have to. That's they, the rules. He, uh, they get. I get like a. I guess like a dream team of former Jeopardy players to like coach them and coach the muskoxen. Has anyone really smelled Ken Jennings? Do we know? <laughs> I mean, no one I know. Yeah, I keep trying, but do we? Yeah. yeah. Hard to get close, hard enough to get close to get a good enough uh, whiff. Yeah, check to make sure there's not a muskox. Yeah, Alex, you keep you keep Hiding sending him letters, being like, "Ken, I'm a big fan. Can you put some of your scent into this envelope and mail it back to me?" Specifically, your musk. Other scents don't need it. I need your musk, and I need it. Regards, Alex. Rub it on your orbital glands and send it back. Uh. And one one very last thing with this, there is a zoo in Tacoma, Washington, the Point Defiance Zoo and Aquarium. They had a naming contest for their new baby musk ox, and the name Trebek won by, quote, a clear margin. Oh, that's wonderful. So you can go to the zoo in Tacoma and see Trebek the baby musk ox, if you would like to, and if it's safe. I'm trying, I keep imagining the exploding bear costume to not cry. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, that is the main episode for this week. My thanks to Katie Golden and Elliot Kalin for being so wonderfully fun about such a woolly, musky animal. Also, I said that's the main episode because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff available to you right now. If you support this show on Patreon.com. Patrons get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. And this week's bonus topic is the strange history of panda diplomacy. We, we barely scratched the surface on that in the main. The bonus goes deep, and it's really exciting. Visit sifpod.fun for those pandas, for a library of more than a dozen other bonus shows, and to back this entire podcast operation. And thank you for exploring musk oxen with us. Here's one more run through the big takeaways. Takeaway number one, scientists dress up in giant bear costumes to study musk oxen herds by spooking them until the scientist explodes. Takeaway number two, musk oxen played a key role in Cold War diplomacy. And takeaway number three, musk oxen were the favorite animal of Alex Trebek and there is a baby Trebek muskox that you can visit in Tacoma. Those are the takeaways. Also, please follow my guests. They're great. Katie Golden tweets as at ProBirdWrites all of the time and hosts the Creature Feature podcast weekly on iHeartRadio. And that show is my favorite set of news every week because it is incredible and strange and relatable animal news. And then Elliot Kalin is an amazing television writer. He's an amazing podcaster co-hosting The Flophouse on Maximum Fun, in addition to past shows like iPodius and Presidents Are People Too. 
And if you have children or know any young readers, check out Elliot's book, Horse Meets Dog, or check out Elliot's book, Sharko and Hippo. They are two hilarious books geared toward children featuring animals. If you if you liked a musk oxen podcast episode, you will probably like those children's books. That's all I'm saying. Also, we had many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. Two great New York Times articles on musk oxen and their role in Cold War diplomacy. Those articles are by Alexander Burns and by Mary Jo Murphy. We drew on an amazing radio show from Science Friday. It's from 2017, and it's called Getting Inside the Head of a Musk Ox. We also used articles from Alaska Public Media and from the Anchorage Press to get into the great Alex Trebek and his great big friendship with musk oxen. I also highly recommend Alex Trebek's memoir. It's just wonderful all around, and uh, it also features some additional thoughts on the musk oxen. So check that out. Find links to that and so much more in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken Unshaven by The Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Extra, extra special thanks go to our patrons. I hope you love this week's bonus show. And thank you to all our listeners. I'm thrilled to say we will be back next week with more Secretly Incredibly Fascinating... So how about that? Talk to you then.